I mean, the two contributions from you, Malimu Mishare and Malimu Kimani, do kind of stream well into the second question that I had for you both on, you know, what you how you've described indigenizing is something that you know could lead to isolation as well um or as you as you resist this dominant systems when you speak about ownership so perhaps to personalize it a little bit i wanted to ask how you've negotiated your africanness your blackness your womanhood in the case of you molimu mishere you know how do you get your work published there um i would pose that to you malimu kimani but let me just be succinct and say how do you negotiate your blackness your africanness your womanhood in these spaces that are not our own um in in, in view of indigenizing i could start with you malimu mishere and then malimu kimani you could follow with your reflections thank you very much um uh, Again, congratulations on convening this space for us to have this dialogue. A very, very important question. And let me go back a little bit to what I said before, that um, one of the worst crimes of um, uh, colonialism is that space where they actually tried to either um, uh, eradicate erase um, sites of knowledge and ways of knowing of colonized people. It is those spaces where not just negation happened, but demonization happened. And there was also a sense to evoke a sense of shame in terms of who colonized people were, what their beliefs were, what, how they lived, what their cultures were and so forth. And um, if not demonization, sort of making them a kind of fetish. Oh, you know, that might be interesting and so on, but really that's not real knowledge. So it's really this insistence, rather than too much negotiation, it is insistence that if we are going to embrace other cultures, including um, colonized cultures, because we cannot deny them, it's a part of our her story history, that we must also have our space being respected and being recognized as a site, a valid site of knowledge, as a part of contribution to humanity and to human civilization and to ways of knowing or not knowing, to ways of creating new places, new spaces and so forth. So, as a woman, this means that um, uh, I mentioned um, I have consciously decided to locate my scholarship in African origin. That is the spoken word and to develop an understanding of ethics and aesthetics that define it uniquely differently from literature even though there are areas where they actually do um, you know, merge and, and share. So orature, African orature, the spoken word, the art of the spoken word, to quote Pio Zirimu and um, uh, Bukenya and other scholars of orature, that this verbal art has also got, you know, ethics and aesthetics that need to be defined and developed and so forth. Now, in creating those, you find disrespect you find not just disrespect sometimes from those who employ us and our colleagues, but sometimes from the students. 
sometimes students will be asked by their parents if they are studying, say, in African-American studies or Africana studies, what are you going to do with your degree? <laughs> it's as if this knowledge is not knowledge. And, and yet it is these very same people who go on to become lawyers, to become you know, doctors, to become writers, to become whatever. So as a, an African woman, I want to claim that space because my four mothers were orate scholars who developed you know, storytelling and um, uh, uh, other, um, um, other genres or orator and defined them in a way that can contribute to ongoing knowledge. So I want to claim that as a woman. There is nothing uh, more uh, dramatic in terms of illustrating why claiming this space um, is important than by telling you a very short story. I won't be too long. I won't do it the waze or kumbuka type um, by taking all this space. But what um, uh, you know happened was at an interview, I went to the vice chancellor's office. This was at Syracuse University, in fact. And this person was introduced, uh, I mean, this vice chancellor was introduced to me to interview me. And as soon as I sat down, he was very warm, very nice. And I'm sure no insult meant, but he asked me, oh, you are the storyteller from Africa. Now, here I'm, I'm coming here with a, with a PhD that was acquired in 1973 from foreign, foreign uh, part of the colonial world and, and have been teaching for years and have done all kinds of things, have published all kinds of books. And so, but the way I'm being defined is this storyteller from Africa. And I could see immediately there was no seriousness there. So. Melissa, your question is very important. It's like every space we occupy in academia is a front line for the battle of the mind, the battle of the intellect. And the thing that I have learned to do is not to try to prove myself, but just to act and perform and show, you know, why the knowledge we are passing on is so important. So this affects all of us, male and uh, women scholars, especially in um, foreign countries, but it is much more so too um, for women scholars. And I want to remind people that our foremothers were part of the creation of this knowledge as were well, our forefathers. And so by embracing it, by giving it new meaning, by bringing it to the conversation table at conferences in academia, I am claiming my inheritance, I'm honoring them, I'm defining myself, I am growing, I am continuing to be a part of other spaces and not being swallowed by those spaces. Uh, wonderful. Well, we the storytellers of Africa <laughs> shall insist on our right to tell our story because far too long it's been narrated by others on our behalf. And um, just um, to, to, to return to your question, I think the idea of negotiation has a hint of accommodation. Uh, it will be an act of insertion. And I'm interested in an act of assertion. I am asserting, I am telling, this is who I am, and this is my context, and this is what I know about the world. And, and um, uh, so, um, so, so to rephrase the question, you know, how do we supplant our knowledge systems in this universe that's been overwhelmingly white? I think that now takes us back to, uh, uh, you know, our, our opening statements. And, and then for me, uh, what I've 
seen over the past uh, 20 or so years uh, in writing and, uh, and, and, and teaching is that we do not seem to value our own knowledge. Uh, so um, just about a week ago, uh, I'll narrate now that we are the storytellers. I can narrate a brief story. I, I brought a guest um, to, my, to my class just um, a, a week ago, and he's produced a book that I'd like to recommend to everyone. It's called The Big Conservation Lie, uh, which is uh, by Dr. Uh, Modikai Ogada and John Barrier. They simply say uh, how we have configured tourism. Uh, so the practice, uh, as well as the teaching uh, of the field, uh, so, so beyond tourism, uh, going on to, on to conservation, it's been framed as a white man's uh, affair. So how did the white man become the custodian? Uh, and, and, uh, and of no pre prejudice uh, whatsoever when I say this. Um, but, but how did uh, a white uh, man, not even woman, but man, become the custodian of uh, Africa's um, you know, plants and animal species? So you, you read their book and you see um, how we have maintained a colonial trajectory uh, since 1909 when uh, Teddy Roosevelt came to our shores, um, you know, managed to, to gather some 250 porters who carried, uh, you know, his luggage and, uh, and, and his entourage, including photographers. And they, they scurred through this continent uh, up to Sudan, I think, uh, that was their their, their last uh, point, and they took away with them 18,000 plant and animal species for the establishment of what's today the National Museum of Natural History in America. So any tourist uh, who comes to our shows is interested in seeing these animals and these species. Uh, and we've maintained uh, this trajectory for 100 years. So our work is, is to be porters um, as indigenous people, not bearers of knowledge and wisdom uh, that uh, that should be found in our in our context, but uh, you know carrying luggage uh, for these distinguished guests, and um, uh, and um, you know a whole ecosystem, including tourism police, uh, being established to take care of these distinguished guests, um, and 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 for our efforts, um, you know we we allowed game game hunting, an extension of uh, what Roosevelt did. Um, and when they couldn't allow um, uh, the, uh, the killing of, of animals, now it is the cameras, uh, you know, shooting images. But it's the same mentality, the same mindset. But we are the cradle of mankind. The East African, uh, Northeast, uh, Northeastern Basin, the Turkana region, is the cradle of mankind. Those are, you know, where life begins. So how, how, how have we connected uh, our, our, our rich heritage and what purport to be our national ethos and our national development uh, policies. I'm, I'm, I'm referencing East Africa generally and Kenya specifically. And you can see we have maintained uh, the, same, uh, the same colonial trajectory um, you know, for such a long time. Uh, so what we've maintained to this day, if you Google uh, magical Kenya, so what's magical about us? The animals and the plants and the birds. Where are the people? Where is our history? Where is our heritage? So um, we, we need to rethink how we define ourselves uh, because you have so much of value that doesn't seem to be recognizable even to our own selves.
Uh, so, so for me, it is asserting our story, telling our story, and saying, I think we've been um, pursuing, we've been going uh, in the wrong direction because perhaps we've been headed by wrong heads for a long time.